Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. My name is Angela. Radical Flow is flow that's on a mission, and that mission is to create a much better reality for us all. Welcome to another special episode in our Conversations in Flow series. In my travels and explorations, I've really had the privilege to meet some of the most amazing, interesting, and impactful people. And in a few minutes, you're going to meet one of those. Dylan Charles is the creator of the Waking Times online magazine and the Battered Souls podcast. These are platforms where you're going to find flows of information about the world we live in, how it operates, and ideas on how to reclaim your power, heal your psyche, and maintain a healthy body. Dylan's Facebook presence has grown to almost 600,000 followers, although it's now heavily censored and suppressed by algorithms. And like many thought leaders, he's migrating over to platforms that don't censor. Dylan's also a self-mastery coach who specializes in guiding people to bring their awareness into those unconscious undercurrents and self-sabotaging patterns that will drive what we create and experience in life. Now, I first met Dylan way back in January 2011 on the southwestern tip of Costa Rica at an eco-retreat center on the Osa Peninsula. He and I had both converged for a 10-day ayahuasca plant medicine journey. And as you're soon going to discover, Dylan is one of the most approachable and welcoming people. So it wasn't long for our friendship to spark. And after 10 days in the medicine, we shared a connection that was deeply profound and lasting. Now, I soon learned after that that Dylan, his wife, Anna, and their children were all living in Atenas on a sabbatical from the U.S. And as it turned out, that was my next step, our next stop. And so we made plans to visit. Well, it turned out that Dylan and I could literally walk out into the backyards we were at and wave at each other across the ravine. The universe definitely wanted us to connect. Now, before I bring Dylan on, I want to tell you that this man really knows his stuff. Why? Because he's personally walked the path of transformation and he does so every single day. He studied with indigenous masters in plant medicines. He's researched global matters, debunked misinformation, and has courageously stood up for truth, all the while counseling others as they move through their process of waking up to the bigger picture, both within themselves and around themselves. Now, Dylan is one of the most humble and authentic people that you could ever meet, and I just know you're going to love him. So with all that said, hello, Dylan. Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. Wow, thank you for having me, Angela. I have to uh, say that's quite heartwarming and uh, much appreciated introduction. Wow. Oh, I could have talked the whole podcast just um, (laughs) unpacking the wonderful nature of who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. You know, Dylan, as we were kind of leading up to this chat, we we joked that we could literally probably spend days in conversation because there's so many areas we could, you know, take a road down to unpack today. But in the spirit of getting to the heart of things, I'm going to dive us right in. Okay, Okay. let's do it. Okay. So right now, we've got a huge divide in points of view on the planet. Mm-hmm. With all the viruses and mandates and vaccines and government overreach and all of that, 
there's a really big divide in opinions mm-hmm. on, on the one extreme, we've got the pro-establishment full compliance people who think the mainstream narrative and their actions should be applied by any means necessary. And on the other extreme, we have people labeled conspiracy theorists who make claims that can come off as really dramatic or alarming, or even just really way out there. Mm -hmm. In the middle is this quiet majority who of course are becoming louder all the time, who feel and sense that something is just not right. And they're intuitively being driven towards investigating that but at the same time are genuinely concerned about misinformation and being led astray. Now you add to that, that this pretty centered group also has a psyche that says, you know, we are built to trust the establishment, our government, the media, medical systems, experts, all saying that they have our best interests at heart. So, of course, we've got people with an unconscious aversion to hearing anything that would in any way disrupt this foundational level. So I know that you are someone who has walked this full spectrum. And so you have a lot of compassion and understanding for people who are now in this process of just starting self-investigation. So given that, would you just share a little bit about your experience and also offer some practical advice on how this now louder majority can get in, you know, can research for themselves. Wow. That's a, that's an excellent first question. Let's jump right into the deep end. Angela, thank you very much. That sounds like fun. Good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I see this quite often with a lot of people these days, a lot of people are, are, you know, they're, they're put into positions. They're backed into corners right now with their jobs or professions or, um, you know, with their relationships, even with their family and stuff, people like this divide that you're speaking of is running right through the heart of just about everything right now. So it's very real. It's very tangible. So in my case, and I see this actually happen with a couple of people in my life, very close to me right now. In my case, um, I started to, you know, wake up, let's use the term wake up. Okay. that means different things to different people, but I started to wake up in 2003, 2004, when I started to really question uh, what was going on with September 11th. So we'll just, we'll just say that we'll leave that on the table for now. We won't go into September 11th, right? There's a yeah. whole story of that. Right. But what that did was that caused me to really, um, to use another catchphrase here, it caused me to really furrow my way down into the rabbit hole. Okay. So I've been all the way down into the rabbit hole and there's no bottom to the rabbit hole. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. And in there there's information that's real. There's misinformation, there's speculation, there's theories, Um, there's fantasy, there's BS. I mean, there's everything you can find everything in the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And so in between, uh, uh, above the rabbit hole, let's say it's easy to get carried away in, you know, these, uh, these woo spiritual axioms, these, you know, ways of being that really disconnect you from uh, the material world. You know, you get lost in these ideas of the secret or, you know, manifestation or, Mm -hmm. you know, just love and light, right? There's no, you tend to dis- disconnect and disassociate from what's really happening in your life and what's really happening in your world. So I've learned how to walk um, in between the two. And I figure that's basically being on the ground, right? So I feel like mm-hmm. the best perspective right now is to keep a grounded perspective. And what do I mean by that? Right. So what, <clears throat> what really constitute a grounded perspective? One of the spiritual traditions that I am part of is the Bwiti. It's uh, it's an African tradition. It's a spoken word tradition. And uh, their sacrament, their medicine is a boga. It's the plant medicine of boga. 
And in this, it's a, it's an oral tradition that's been handed down from generation to generation. And they talk about uh, basically the way to live a happy life, right? To basically live a happy, connected life. And when I say connected, I mean, connected to your own soul, right? So connect mm-hmm. to your own soul, your own divine purpose, uh, your own intuitive guidance. And so one of the, one of the many things that they talk about and how to do that is, is how to basically stay in present in reality. So reality to them is anything that, you know, reality to them is reality, reality, reality to them can be measured by the five senses. It's something that you can take into your actual, uh, with your actual five senses, you know, sight, sound, mm-hmm. touch, taste, hearing, right. Uh, mm-hmm. But also your sixth sense, your intuitive sense, right. So if something is beyond the reach, the scope, the access of your, your six senses, then it really has no business um, occupying space in your mind, okay? Uh, it's not helpful. Let's just put it that way. It's not helpful. It doesn't help you to um, maintain peace and purpose if your mind is off on things that you can't actually access. So <clears throat> when we talk about conspiracy theories or this or that, like it's it's a leap for a lot of people to accept that how do I say this lightly that the government could be evil. Okay. It's like straight up, straight up evil. Like the government couldn't have her best interests at heart. Right. So when you approach someone with that information and you talk it, and if you, if you bring stuff from the depths of the rabbit hole up and you pitch it to people, you know, like, uh, and I'm sure many people have come across this kind of information. There's all sorts of little, little nodes and possibilities on that. There's things like the, the sex trafficking, the child trafficking, the adrenochrome, like the adrenal chrome. There's like all of these little tangents and whatnot that really are, are quite frightening to digest, but completely inaccessible to the average person. So there's no way to verify them. There's no way to, to know what's true or what's not true. So it basically just becomes a thought form of fear in your mind. If you let it, if you let it like furrow in your mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so in that, in that it's, I like to ask people to measure like what they can see, you know, what they can, what they can, uh, what they can take in with their own senses. So now it's easy to do that. It's easy to see, okay, cool. Well now I'm restricted. Right. So I can, I have the actual physical sense of not being able to work or open my business. I have the actual physical sense of, of being in a situation where I have to put something in my body, whether I agree with it or not, or else my life has become restricted. So they can feel the actual coercion involved with that. And so that even like, there's the physical presence of that. And there's also the, the intuitive presence of that it doesn't feel intuitively right to have mm-hmm. somebody else demand access to your body. I mean, for most people, it doesn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people that are going along with this, you know, with the new, let's just call it the new medicine, <laughs> you know, okay. just call it the new medicine. A lot of people are going on because they're going along with this because they are coerced um, because they want this whole situation to end more quickly than it, than it is. They want their freedoms back. They want to be a team player. They want to do their part and they want to do their part to return to the new normal. But there is no, there is no going back to the new normal. Okay. There's no, they're, they're, they're not setting. We're not in a situation where if uh, you know, some, some numbers of of, uh, COVID cases or whatever are reached or the numbers fall or whatever, where it's going to be masks off mandates are over, get back to work, have a nice life. We're not going in that direction because there is a bigger trend there with government and how government is organized and how it's structured. And so again, <laughs> people can see this and feel it with their own experience, you know, to hold in your hand a, 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 a physical, your phone that has a you know, vaccine passport on it. That's a very real representation of like government controlling your life. Like most people would most people, it doesn't bother a lot of people, but it's very real. It's in your hand. The government is very much like 
telling you, you have to do this before you can do this. Like you can't access, you know, these facilities or restaurants or grocery stores. I mean, I have lots of friends in Australia who are experiencing this very acutely. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I ask people like, what's on your front door? You know, what can you, what can you feel? What feels right about it? Use your sixth sense. What feels right to you? What feels wrong to you? You know, if you were to separate yourself from the influence of the tribe, the influence of the herd, if you didn't have the need to fit in, if you didn't have the need to people, please, if you didn't have the need to, um, um, you know, to preserve relationships uh, just for the sake of preserving relationships, like what would you really feel about what's going? How would you really feel about what's going on? And, you know, to, to be honest with you, most people have a problem with it on some level, mm-hmm. you know, on some level, something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. So I could, we could go into all sorts of conspiracy theories about it, but the reality for someone like me is I've been watching this for 25 plus years. And so many of the things that we've talked about, so many of the concerns that we expressed even 20 years ago have already materialized and already manifested. They're already in your face. Mm-hmm. So when I look at this, I look at this issue as not an issue of whether or not you should get your vaccine. That's a personal decision. I wouldn't hold it against anyone uh, to make a medical decision for themselves, right? right. Uh, I choose not to. Uh, my family, it's not in our best interest. It's not in our, uh, we prefer not to. Let me just say it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if anybody else wants to go ahead, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how dangerous it could be or, or try to scare you with the risks or with it or whatever. But I encourage people to look at a bigger long-term picture, right? So there's, there's, there's things that aren't being discussed when we talk about uh, these mandates and whatnot, uh, because there's a, there's a, a system, a technological system uh, that is being rolled out and put into place to actually make things like vaccine passports possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. This isn't, this is something that literally there's hundreds of billions of dollars invested in around the world. You know, there's contracts already that have been in place for years with the companies that are helping to manage this, organize it, uh, structure it, uh, make it technologically possible. And so all of this is going into place. Like you don't, you don't start something like this for something like COVID and then it just goes away. In other words, we're entering a time of a different, we're entering, we're entering a period where our relationship with uh, our governing entities, let's just call them that, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be dramatically, dramatically more, more intimate than it's ever been before. They're going to want more information about your life. They're going to want more information about who you are, what your thoughts are, um, what you're putting into your body. You know, they're going to want access, you know, for this medicine or that medicine. So it's, 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 there's a system being put into place. And so I, I encourage people to look at that, at the bigger picture and, and, you know, for people like myself, I'm 45 years old. Like I can remember, um, just a couple of decades ago, what it was actually like to have some, some semblance of freedom where I didn't have to, you know, this was before even like nine 11 and the Patriot act and stuff where we could, we could travel on air, on air, on airplanes. Like I've, I've flown on airplanes without even showing a driver's license before, you know, that's unimaginable to most people. Mm-hmm. And at the time, at the time you felt just as safe, uh, perhaps even safer than you do today. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we didn't have the, we didn't have the, the feeling of, uh, you know, of being threatened of having this, like this threatening agency watching over everything we do. I mean, that doesn't really, to me, inspire a sense of uh, comfort and, and, and feel goodiness. Mm-hmm. And so people don't really remember what it's like to actually be free. And I think that's, what's, what's being lost here. Take, take the medicine. If you want, don't take the medicine if you don't want, but look at what's look at what we're being asked to implement into our lives. Look at what goes along with this. It does, it does incorporate what's called a social credit score. This is something that they use in China. And this is something that is, you know, for someone like me, I've been 
expecting this to be rolled out into the West for a while now. And this is, this is really happening, right? So it would basically be like your vaccine passport will be tied into your whole social life, right? So your opinions will be screened, your, uh, your income will be monitored, your, you know, your willingness to, to go along, to get along will, will all contribute to what's kind of like a, a credit score that you have now. But that credit score will determine your access to services. It will determine your ability to travel. It will determine your ability to purchase things. It will determine your ability to associate with different groups and people. I mean, this is all, these are all things that are happening. So you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to look at the big picture. It's all right there. And if you really, if you really wanted to know uh, what this entails, I mean, there is an organization called the, called the, um, Oh my gosh, what is it? Klaus Schwab and the uh, World Economic Forum, right? Like th these guys like literally have written books about their fantasy, their dream of, of implementing a system of control in the world that involves uh, most of the people in the world not even being allowed to own private property, not being allowed uh, ownership of your house, not being allowed ownership of your car, not being allowed ownership of your furniture, even like anything that you, anything that we take for granted as ownership would all be leased or rented from corporations, right? Corporations that have, that are favored by, uh, these non-elected governmental bureaucracies, right? So this is where the world is going. I believe it doesn't have to be that way. I'm, I'm, I've been an advocate for freedom for a really long time. Um, I don't think this is necessary. And I don't, I personally don't feel like the people involved in rolling this out and bring this to fruition have our best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, that's really where the rub is. They think that the government, like you said in your question, is, is, is something that is working on behalf of our best interest. And I would argue that all day long, mm -hmm. uh, that the medical establishment is working in our best interest. I would argue against that all day long. I mean, if you look at just in America alone, the third biggest cause of death is medical error. And I know that's hard for people to believe. I would encourage you to just go look that up. I mean, I read a CNBC article about it just even recently, just to verify it. The third greatest cause behind heart disease and uh, uh, what is it? heart disease and was it cancer is medical error. Okay. What does that mean? That means that the doctor screwed up and gave you the wrong medication. That means that the, you know, the warden in the hospital screwed up and gave you too much in your IV. Right. Mm -hmm. in, in other words, like the system isn't, the system is flawed. It's very, very flawed. And it, it's flawed in the direction of, of poor health. It's flawed in the direction of accident accidents. Uh, it's flawed and it's, it's flawed and it's biased towards medicine over holistic health and it's flawed in a lot of ways. And so the system that we're being asked to participate in from now on is like basically turning our whole lives over to a flawed, uh, to a flawed medical system that's partnered with government that really just seems to want to have more and more control over people. So to me, it's a, my, my sixth sense, Angela is this is a turning point in history. This is like the most crucial time in history, because if you look at, you know, how old the human race is, hundreds of thousands of years, uh, we've made it this far by, by, by managing our own natural health, by learning how to like learning how to heal ourselves. We've made it this far. We've survived things. Yeah. People die. People always die. It's a part of life. It's just as much a part of life as is, you know, being born, you know, mm -hmm. you can't save everyone. Uh, but they're they're asking us basically to put an end to natural health, to put an end to holistic health. And they want they. I mean, if you listen to the uh, CEOs and owners and whatnot of Pfizer and Moderna and these these major vaccine corporations, I mean, they have they have the the very big goal of of requiring every single person on this planet to participate and take their products, regardless of the harm, 
regardless of regardless of their personal aims, wishes, regardless of their you know pre-existing conditions or, or anything like that. And so we're, we're really being asked to take a leap of faith with these institutions. And I just, I'm not the type of person that's, uh, you know, call me a skeptic, uh, call me whatever you want, but I don't trust, I don't trust these people as much as uh, others do. Right. You know, um, you've unpacked a lot. And for some people listening, this alone could be alarming, just hearing some of the things that you're bringing out. I believe it. Yeah. And, you know, the mainstream media, of course, is not sharing any of this. And so for a lot of people, finding those resources that they can start to dip their toes into is really important. Just the other day, someone sent me a copy of the movie Monopoly, Who Owns mm -hmm. the World, which was a great little um, documentary that took us through Yahoo Finance and literally looked up who are the founding owners um, of all of the major industries in the world. And what it really comes down to is just a couple of companies at the top that really basically own everything. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people, this is a wonderful way to start to look at the conflicts of interest and how things are run, not just by company owners, but by the foundations that are funding things like the World Health Organization, who are the members of the World Economic Council, you know, what are their mandates, that great reset you were talking about earlier. And so, you know, there, there are resources like that particular movie. And again, it's called Monopoly, Who Owns the World? That yep. is a very mainstream entrance into getting the bigger picture that you're never going to see in the mainstream because it's all owned by this structure. Yes, it's all owned. And, and, and the work that I've done for the last 10 years with my website, Waking Times, I'm part of what you would call the independent or the alternative media, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, just, to, just to, for full disclosure, I've been called fake news. I've been fact-checked by all the fact-checking boards. I've been called out by NewsGuard, which is a, is a Microsoft-related organization that's attempting to govern every, you know, every bit of information on the internet. I've been called Russian propaganda. I've been on the lists that have been created by think tanks and professors and stuff, people who are out there, you know, quote unquote, fighting misinformation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I've seen, <laughs> what I've seen in the last, you know, four or five years is that um, very, very clear censorship, right? Very, very deliberate censorship, very clear censorship. You know, my particular news organization, Waking Times, we've been kicked off of YouTube. We were, we were removed from YouTube in 2017, uh, one of the first ones. Um, just in, in the beginning of this year, I was um, banned from using Google AdSense, which is basically like the monopoly on, on, on internet, on display advertising on the internet. And so I was banned from that because they consider my content to be dangerous and derogatory. I don't consider it to be dangerous and derogatory because I've always, I've always believed there to be two sides to every story. And I just tell the other side of the story. So what you have is you have, um, you literally have like an iron curtain coming down over the internet right now. And most people don't realize it. And so you have a lot of people out there saying, follow the science, listen to the doctors. Well, the reality is that any doctor that doesn't support the narrative that the only solution to this crisis, the only solution is for everyone to take unlimited jabs of this medicine, right? Experimental medicine. Let's just be honest about it. This, is, mm -hmm. this uses mRNA technology. I did a bunch of research in this in 2020 when it came out. I, I was censored about it. You know, I found... I found a, a white paper from Moderna, which actually says they don't know if it will permanently, they, they don't know if mRNA technology will permanently alter human DNA or not. They just don't know, right? But mm -hmm. it's worth a shot. 
up until now, it had never been approved for use in human beings, right? It had never been, it had never been, it had never been approved. There had never been trialed. And now they're giving it to five to 11 year old children. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, right. So it, so from my perspective, you know, from my perspective, we're, we're at a point where the, the entry level to conspiracy is, is, is very low. Like the access point to conspiracy is, is very low. Like you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to see that, that there's something going on that defies logic. It defies, defies sanity and it defies a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Here in Canada, they're trying to push through more censorship laws to control the internet now. And there is a, uh, the appearance of a large degree of compliance up here for all of the mandates being rolled out. And I say there's an appearance simply because of course that's all you see in the mainstream media. But in these alternate sources like getting on Telegram, uh, looking at articles and whatnot on your waking times and mm-hmm. other platforms and people that are you know, very well credentialed um, exceptional researchers, medical expertise in areas of virology and all kinds right. of, you know, areas that are coming out again, in contrast to what they're rolling out and they're being discredited and censored and taken right off of the reach of people yeah. being able to see them. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I grew up in America, I'm a diehard American. You could call me a patriot, although I, I don't really play the two-party system game anymore i don't i don't really believe in the political system that we have either side of it uh, but i'm a patriot i believe you know i've read a, a very studied on history right? i have you know grandparents that fought in world war ii my wife is from poland so i have a, her whole family's told me the experience of uh, you know their experience in world war ii so i mean we were always taught we were always taught that history we didn't want history to repeat itself and we were always taught who the bad guys were and we were always taught what the bad guys did. The bad guys always did the same thing. They controlled information. They restricted uh, the population's ability to defend itself. Um, and, you know, then it was, they marched them off to war and any dissenters were marched off to camps. I mean, this is, this is the reality of the human race. This is the human condition. Like we've gone through this a thousand times. Like this is our history, right? Mm-hmm. Murder, mass murder is what we do best. I hate to say, you know, but that's a part of it. But in that story, in, 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 in the, the, in the education about, about the Holocaust, in the education about, uh, you know, like Mao's rise to power in China, you know, the, the cultural revolution, you know, you know, where he killed some hundreds of millions of people of his own people in, in the process. Like in these stories, we were always told that, you know, the virtuous path was freedom of information. It was freedom of speech. It was a freedom of religion, right? So we didn't have persecution against, you know, specific groups. We weren't othering, which is what you see right now, this process of othering, you know, mm-hmm. making one group of people um, out to be subhuman less than the other. And you're seeing that right now with, with, with the vaccine debate. I mean, like CNN, these major mainstream organizations are working overtime to give the appearance that people who would refuse this vaccine or just not even refuse it, just not want the vaccine are subhuman in some way. They don't care about their, their, their brotherly man. They don't, they're not part of the collective. They don't want, they, they want other people to die. They're a danger to society. I mean, this is a process that has gone on again and again and again, and we've all been educated about it. Mm-hmm. So as far as like, if you're going to live in a world where we have governments and we have, you know, leadership on that level, which, you know, that's another conversation, perhaps that's not even necessary. <laughs> Um, but, but you have to have a relationship. You have to have an established relationship with the government. And in America, we've always had the bill of rights, the constitution. And so in that it it was very clearly enumerated 
you know, um, where the, 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 the lines were between, you know, how, where the line was that the government could not cross, right? We were, we were, mm-hmm. you know, free in our, our papers and persons. We were free from search and seizure. We were free from, you know, quartering soldiers. And we were, you know, like it was mm-hmm. this great and wonderful utopia. And I mean, it wasn't a utopia, but if you look at the history, if you look at the Magna Carta, if you look at, you know, the, the organization of governments throughout history, it was a great leap forward. I mean, not to use that term, that's Mao's, actually Mao's term. That's kind of ironic. <laughs> uh, but it was a massive step forward for for the middle class, the lower class, like ordinary people, right? To be able to live at a place where they could prosper. They didn't have the change in restrictions that kings and monarchs and queens put on them. And so like, I'm a patriot in that sense. I believe, like I said, I'm a freedom advocate. I believe in the eternal freedom of the individual. I believe in freedom of mind, freedom of body, freedom of spirit. And, and so... Yeah, it's ironic to me. It's not ironic. It's it's just sad that we're asking we're asking all of this to be shunned. Like we've we, you know we were taught about the dangers of censorship. We were taught about the dangers of uh, collectivism. We've been taught about this stuff, and here it is at our doorstep. And it's like all of a sudden you throw a fear into the air, and people are willing to forget their entire lifetime, you know, their lifetime of education about you know the the reality, the horrors of of our history. I mean, it's it's quite startling if you really read about him, read about the Bolshevik revolution and the the things that Stalin did. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's, it's, it's America really gave us a chance to break free from that. And I think that's being taken away right now. And that's what scares me. So for ordinary people, I've talked to people and I'll say, Hey, yeah, I'm listening to the doctors, but there's doctors that are being censored, Angela. There's doctors that are being censored. What about them? Mm -hmm. And the mindset now for a lot of people, sadly, is that like, well, they're being censored because they're misinformation. So I see that like people are very, very malleable. People are very, very um, programmable. People are very easily swayed. And there's a very, there's a very specific reason for that, Angela. I want to talk to you about that in a little bit, but that's really where I deal really the work uh, that I do on a personal level with my coaching is helping people to uh, really break through the, the programming of the tribe. And that's, what's really happening. We're being programmed by a particular tribe to be and act and do a certain way and to do things a certain way. So yeah, people at the very least, like ask yourself if, if, if it requires censorship, <laughs> what does that mean to you? If, if something, if a message or mandate or a way of being requires censorship in order to get its way, like that to me, like triggers my sixth sense, my intuitive sense and tells me that it's not, uh, it's not in alignment with truth. It's not in alignment with uh, spirit and with peace, with, uh, with love, you know, cause love is, love is openness. Love is truth. Love is, love is reality. So mm-hmm. if, if we were going down this path and there wasn't the censorship and people could, people could discern for themselves, you know, based on seeing both sides of the story. Yeah. You know, like you'd, you'd, it would be a whole different situation. The feel that we would have right now, the vibe of this would be a whole lot less dense, a whole lot less heavier, but so many people that I talk to really feel like the walls are closing in really feel like, like they're not being given a choice. They're not being given an opportunity to, to, to see both sides of the, the spectrum. And so uh, people intuitively know that and they feel that pressure and it, it shows up in the form of anxiety, fear, doubt, worry, um, you know, concern, uh, and just, and just like, a general like spiritual malaise. I mean, it's, it's a vibration that people are putting off because they're being backed into corners and they're not giving the opportunity for their, their true, uh, their true selves to explore freedom. Exactly. Agreed. And I'd like to come into that conversation of that sixth sense, that intuition, because, you know, in order to really have a a person be in sync with themselves, it's that non-physical ability to be aware your consciousness 
completely mm -hmm. merging up and syncing up with the physiology so that you're able to really, you know, be with yourself when you're unpacking your reactions and also at the same time, be open to how you can direct that energy and what you can do with it. And right now with all this bombardment of fear and all this uncertainty and just this main fact that people have been kind of running on their own treadmills for years and years, just mm -hmm. trying to exist in this capitalistic um, environment we've created and where its goals are really focused toward consumerism with people being kind of in that entrapment, that time taken to make that connection, to really, you know, tap into that true self, that sixth sense, to be able to listen to your own tuition, intuition has been impeded or interrupted. And, you know, I know you're going to come back to this when we talk about this kind of collective programming um, and how that's kind of played a role in this, but with that sixth sense, that, 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 ability to connect to the sixth sense, one of the benefits of this disrupted environment is that people are still hearing that intuitive impulse that something is not right, despite all of this effort to keep um, everything stuck in the fear mode. And so the gift or opportunity from my perspective is that because people are being provoked into this intuitive sense, that their connection is going to actually be stronger than it would have if this hadn't happened. And so I know this is where you and I both work in this field, but this is where you, you are really um, shining in your self-mastery coaching by helping people learn how to face what is within them and make sense of it and liberate it and move that energy in a direction that's more positive. So we'd love to hear from you what, or let me put it this way. If I gave you the microphone to the world and you had an opportunity to just speak to everybody and tell them from your perspective, from your heart, your vantage point, what you feel would be an optimal starting point for them to begin to build this connection with their sixth sense. So they can come into that you know, inner alignment with their own knowing of what is truth and be able to feel that conviction in their actions. What would you, where would you start? That's a cool question. I really appreciate that question. Okay. To me, to me, I mean, like I was writing something, something about this just earlier today. I mean, like I say, a lot of people feel like the walls are closing in, right? Mm -hmm. but, and a lot of people are getting that sense. Like all of a sudden, like, oh my God, like, wait a minute, I'm being backed into a corner. But like the people that I deal with in my coaching practice and a lot of people that I've helped through the, the plant medicine experience, I mean, they don't realize it, but they've, you know, the walls are closing in now, but they had already long ago built walls up in their own minds, you know, the restrictions on their life. They'd already put limitations on their own life. And of course, like, everybody's upbringing affects this. Everybody's, you know, like their, their, their personal history and, and their personal story affects this. But most people are already living inside of cages that they've built with them within themselves, you know, which is, which I find really interesting. So if I were to have the microphone and talk to people, I would, I would, I just would, I would first off, I, I would want to address the silent suffering out there. Like, Hey, uh, everybody, everybody is going through some sort of silent suffering. I know it's everyone. Right. 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 Like what's the, what is the source of that? What is the source of the silent suffering? It's about like, it, it's about like basically like standing in your own way. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, like there's a term that a lot of us in the, the indie world like to use, it's called become ungovernable. 
right? Become ungovernable by the system, by the matrix, by the government, whatever, but also to yourself, like let yourself be free, let yourself experience freedom, right? So like, you, you know, this from experience, you've gone down to plant medicine centers and you've seen like people, people that show up in those places, they're longing, they're searching for something. It's always the same thing, right? Yeah. They, they want freedom from the constraints. They want freedom from the, the picture that they're operating under. They want freedom from this uh, three-dimensional explanation of reality. And they want to, they want freedom to see beyond that. They want freedom to see themselves as infinite cosmic beings. If even for a moment, <laughs> You know, I mean, my teacher told me once he was like, sit here in stillness, Dylan, for five minutes and you'll get everything that you came for. You know, like just five minutes is all it'll take. But you have to give yourself that moment of stillness to experience that. So the stillness is the stillness in ceremony is the same as the stillness in life. Like you can't experience stillness when you're in an emotionally agitated state, when you're when you're vibrating at the level of anxiety, when you're vibrating at the level of fear like that is not stillness. So I would ask people to, I would ask people to really dive into their, their, their personal silent suffering. What is it? What are they really feeling about their own lives? I mean, if you wipe out all of this stuff that's going on in the world at large, like what were they really feeling before, mm-hmm. right? Are they happy with the habits that they have before? Are they happy with the outcomes that they've been getting in their life? Are they happy with the relationships that they've been building? You know, are they, are they in love? Are they receiving love? Are they passionate? You know, or is there, are things dead and cold and dried up? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, are they, do they feel healthy and light in their own body? Right. Do you feel, do they feel, um, you know, do they feel hooked by things? Do they feel distracted by things? Do they feel like addicted to things, you know, like, are they, are they drinking? You know, are they drinking? Do they, do they, do they drink every day and then every day tell themselves they're never going to drink again? You know, like the, this is, mm-hmm. this is everywhere. Right. I mean, right. this is like so many people live in this reality inside their own minds. Like they're not, they're, they don't have freedom from their selves themselves, you know, and that's, that's really like where I think like a person, a person's able to gather their own power. A person's able to like build a foundation that they can stand on or that they can put a solid footing on for their own personal freedom, their own uh, expansive growth. Uh, in order to build that foundation, like you have to start with, with, with yourself. You have to start with what you're doing, what you're actually uh, doing with your life. And so to me, like I work as a self-sabotage coach and self-mastery self-sabotage fits under the umbrella of self-mastery. And to me, it's the, it's the place where you would start self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. How are you sabotaging yourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all those things that I just said. And so if, if people are creatures of habit, you know, and, and we're addicts, we're, we're addicts to substances, but we're also addicts to neurochemical releases in our own minds and brains. We're addicts to uh, patterns. We're addicts to programs. Like we get addicted to these things and we don't even realize it, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, I've got my own, I've got my own shit, Angela. <laughs> we all do. We all do. <laughs> I got so much of it, you know? And to me, like, that's where, that's where the self-sabotage coaching turns into self-mastery coaching because self-mastery is, it's, it's a path. It's not a journey. I mean, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It is very much about being on the path and, and it's every day, every day. Are you on the path today? Are you on the path today? Are you on the path today? Right. You know, and, and so like, like, it's literally just about like daily, like, you know, like developing a code for yourself to live by and actually doing it. Right. But you can't get there if you're subconsciously, uh, if you're subconsciously like standing in your own way, like if you're doing things subconsciously just to fit in with the tribe, I mean, just to fit in with what's around us and what's around us is a mess. 
Angela, yes. it's going to take, it's going to take a, you know, we're going to have to have a hundred monkeys to, to break out of this, but like, you know, people, it, it's very easy to live in your power. It's very easy to live um, in, in your strength. It's very easy to live um, according to your purpose, if you know what it is. And if, if you have mm-hmm. yourself out of the way, and if you have the self-confidence, the know-how, the experience to like, to not worry about what it is you feel like this world expects from you, what it is you feel like your family expects from you, your job expects from you, you're, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so I, I I would start there. I would start with just the silent suffering because, you you know, you can probably relate to that, that whole concept of, of, you know, the collective that we're experiencing is a manifestation of what's actually going on inside the minds and hearts of billions of people. Right. So all of that stuff has really just been pushed out like a volcano into the, into the, the exterior external world, but there's a lot of suffering going on. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of traps and pitfalls and cages and, and, you know, corrals and stuff that people live in that really, they don't even see themselves. So I, I would start with that. I would start with addressing the quality of people's relationship to their own life. Right. Yeah. Excellent place. The um, you know, the human the human system is designed, like you said, to have an experience and then record that information and loop it. Mm-hmm. And so when we're not conscious in what's going on, our system can continue to loop what we already know, yeah. take the stimulus from our senses, let our brain bring up the information we remember about that, and then just project that into the future. And so on the one hand, it's a phenomenal system of autopilot for things we want as good habits, but so much of what we have recorded within us that's on autoplay is very, very ingrained biologically into creating cravings and producing thoughts Mm -hmm. and emotions that continue to loop. And when I was speaking earlier about the disconnection from that sixth sense, Mm -hmm. that can happen when we're so caught in the gravitational pull of that looping information that we never really break free and beyond to start to discover what it is or how we can even sit with it or make shifts. So in your process with the self-sabotage, how do you approach um, people stuck that are just stuck? Mm, just stuck. <laughs> that's such a, that's such a, right? pretty much everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're all stuck. <laughs> mm, how do you approach people that are stuck? I mean, it's, it's obviously depends on the individual, but just like generally, mm-hmm. generally speaking, you know, like it's a, it's a game of, it's a game of imagination. First of all, it's a game of creativity, right? If you weren't stuck, what would your life be like? You know, mm, nice. See, because, you know, what I find interesting is that, you know, like words have power, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're yogi, right? Om was the first sound, right? It was the manifestation of all life, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like the, in the beginning was the word, right? Yeah. So if you look at some of like the greats, like Florence Scovelshin and, and, you know, Joseph Murphy and, and some of the like great thinkers about how the subconscious mind works and how manifestation works. It begins with it begins with the word. It begins with people being able to speak into existence a reality, you know, like speak into existence before the reality is created. And so, like as a coach, as someone as someone who wants to see people uh, unstuck, right? I think the very first place to start is to, to like giving them an opportunity to vocally express what it is they're holding on to, vocally express like the thing that feels off limits, like vocally, you know, just like express it into words, let it vibrate out into the, the universe, right? Let it, mm-hmm. let the sound waves go and hit the leaves and the windows all around you. Like let all that stuff come and let the echoes and the reverberations come back to you, right? Like actually give 
an expression to what your desire is, right? I think that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit more now about what you're referring to earlier about the programming. Well, there's, I mean, there's good Lord. That's a, that's a big one. I mean, there's, there's different types of programming. There's cultural programming. There's, um, you know, uh, uh, societal, like governmental programming, you know, like they're, they're trying to get people to behave and do things a certain way. There's just like hereditary programming and, and, you know, like the, the programming that you get from your own family, you know? So first and foremost, if you look at like how the society is structured, like the cultural programming, I mean, you know, I'm being a psychonaut myself. I'm fond of people like Terrence McKenna, who says that, you know, culture is not your friend, right? Like culture isn't your friend, right? It's basically, it's a set of rules and it's a set of expectations. And it's basically like a box that you live into. Right. And so it's not your friend because like, like the human spirit, the human spirit was designed to fly and soar and just like rise up above it all and like be creative. I mean, if you look at the amazing things that human beings have accomplished, I mean, whether it's from things like the Taj Mahal or the great works of art, or just like the, the, the passion that two lovers can have between themselves. I mean, like the, the creative energy that we possess within us is, is just unreal. It's even unimaginable. Right. But to access that, like, 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 what cuts you off from that? And this is also cutting you off from your sixth sixth sense. Well, what cuts you off from that? Well, I mean, on one level, it's, it's purely physical, it's chemical, right? You know, like you're, you're, if you're consuming foods and junk foods and processed foods and toxic chemical in your foods, I mean, that takes you further and further away from your natural state, right? If you're consuming alcohol or drugs, especially pharmaceuticals, especially, especially things like antidepressants, antipsychotic medications, which they just dump out there and they give those away to everybody. I mean, that's a big part of my story is being, you know, just like being told that I had to take medications every day for the rest of my life at 26 years old, you know, like basically giving me a chemical lobotomy. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, if, if all of those things are standing in the way, which they are, those are all cultural, culturally accepted, you know, culturally celebrated things. And so, really how the subconscious mind works is it, it it's, it's always, it's, it's, it's a survival mechanism, right? And it really is, it serves its purpose best when you're a youngster, because you don't have the capacity to defend yourself. You don't have the capacity as a kid to provide for yourself or feed yourself or grow food or hunt or gather or whatever. So you're very absolutely 100% dependent on the tribe. And so the, the subconscious mind is scanning and it's trying to figure out what, what is acceptable to the tribe. And so it looks for the repetitive cues, the repetitive signals, the things that people are doing. And so, you know, two years ago, the subconscious mind would have never thought about putting on a cheap surgical mask to walk into, to buy a loaf of bread, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> Just, right. And so I would venture to say that most people don't understand the science of masking good or bad, whether it's effective or not, they're doing it because that's what's culturally happening. You know, their, their, their subconscious mind is like, well, I know that if I put this on, it's the path of least resistance. I will fit in, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. I won't be ostracized from the tribe. I won't be kicked out of the store. I won't be on my own. It's a safe card to play. It's a safe Mm -hmm. card to play. And the subconscious mind is always looking for the safest cards to play. So what are the safest cards? The safest, they're safe cards. What are people doing? People are getting jobs that they don't like. Uh, People are going into debt when they don't need to. This is what just people are doing. People are um, you know, not really caring for their bodies. The safest cards, the player, the things that are endorsed and promoted, you know, by the celebrities, by the the pundits, the talking heads, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's alcohol, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's so, so 
so much alcohol, like the entertainment industry is, you know, like they're, they're, they're doing their best to, to, you know, make sure that people think that it's, you know, to make sure that people see that it's culturally acceptable to get your face tattooed up. <laughs> you know, I mean, like you used to never see people with t- face tattoos. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, in other words, like the subconscious mind is following, it's always seeking the safest place to be and uh, amongst the tribes. So there's that level of programming. Right. And that's, that's a big one. You know, we're programmed with coffee. Coffee is a big one. People don't understand that coffee and caffeine is very, very detrimental to, to your success. It's very detrimental to your long-term uh, success. You know, the, what, 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 what coffee and caffeine does to your brain is, is basically shuts it down and puts it into fight or flight mode. It activates the limbic system. You know, coffee is known to restrict blood flow to your brain. So the end result of that is that, you know, you're, you're unable to think, um, beyond the present moment, you know, when a person goes into flight, fight or flight and their, you know, their reptilian brain is triggered when they're activated and they're operating in those centers of the mind, they don't have the, they don't have the ability to think long-term. They don't have the ability to plan their lives out. It's whatever, whatever's in front of them is whatever, whatever goes. So that's a big part of the programming is like the chemical dependency, the dependency on crap foods, the dependency on, on, uh, you know, entertainment, cheap entertainment, um, you know, but beyond that is the, is the, like the programming that we receive from our families, you know, the program that we receive from our upbringing. So actually tell like, like it's, it's interesting, Angela, because my story is actually filled with every type of self-sabotage that you could possibly imagine. Like I've done it all. I've done everything I could possibly do to destroy myself. And as a self-sabotage coach, I see people with a lot of problems, but I rarely see people who have fallen into every trap. Uh, like I have rarely, like I've fallen into everything. You know, my personal story is uh, when I was two years old, my parents got divorced. And so I was, I spent my whole childhood with this constant fighting and arguing this constant drama, this, this tension going on. Uh, on top of that, my brother hated me because he associated my older brother hated me because he associated uh, my presence with the, with the decline in his happiness because the family broke up. And so he was violently abusive to me my whole childhood. You know, he put me in stitches uh, t- two, three times, two times, uh, among other things. You know, as a kid, like being, you know, like coming home from school and having your head slammed into the cabinet and, you know, having your head split open. <laughs> right? wow. like, you know, like these are traumatic experiences that affect the way the brain works, that affect the way the mind works, that affect, that basically create programs of protection, programs of of, um, of, you know, like, like playing small, limiting yourself. Uh, these all come from, these all come from our upbringing. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot of one that people have, and I'm guilty of this too, is like you're programming around money and finances, right? So many of us are operating in scarcity and lack, you know, and I know all about what that's like, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, and, and that's really like the value of the self-sabotage coaching, which is like the starting point of what I do to help people in their journey is, is, you know, we dig into their past. Like it's a very thorough process of looking at their past, of looking at who their parents were, looking at who their siblings are. How, who are those people today? What kind of professions did they have? What, did, what kind of people did they, they turn into? How their relationships worked out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, it's very much a process of unraveling all of that, that programming, right? Understanding where it comes from. But, but, but more importantly that it's understanding why the mind needs the programs and understanding like the, the science of how the mind and the subconscious mind works off of these programs, right? You know, like there is a very clear science uh, to, to how the subconscious mind works. Hypnotists know this, like hypnoti- hypnotism works not because any random Joe Schmo with a watch can walk up to somebody and wave a watch in front of their face. No, but it works because there's a scientific process to it. 
right? You induce a trance. Uh, you get people's eyes, like you, you get people's eyes to move. You um, talk them down into deeper alpha states of consciousness, and then you break through the. the you 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 make a connection. You make a a bridge basically between their conscious mind and their subconscious mind. And the way to do this is by what's called overcoming and bypassing the critical factor. The way to bypass the critical factor is to is is through strong emotional content. So you'll see this all the time in advertising. You'll see this all the time in, in media and, and with the propaganda. And this is exactly why the local news always leads. You know, if it bleeds, it leads, right? right. There, there is there, a very deliberate <laughs> process of accessing the subconscious mind. Because when you break into a person's subconscious mind, you can establish what's called or what's known as pillars of belief, right? You can right. implant things into people's subconscious minds that they don't see that are basically unbreakable. So if you take a stage hypnotist or a mentalist, right? And they go on stage and they get 10 people and they all of a sudden put all of these people to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. When they wake them up, all of a sudden, everybody's doing the wackiest things. You know, one person will have their hands stuck together like they're magnets and they won't be able to untouch their hands from each other. Mm -hmm. Another person's uh, been wired to like stand up and shout something whenever the hypnotist says the word it says a special word, right? Somebody else is, uh, can't find their shoes because they took their shoe off and it's in their right hand, but they can't find it. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah another... I've been on that stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Right. And it's amazing. And it should teach you. It, it teaches you so much about how the mind works. You know, somebody else won't be able to drink. They'll, for, they'll forget how to drink water out of a bottle, you know? So all these basic things that we do can be uh, the basic things that we're capable of can be wiped away from the mind through using this very simple, very scientific process. And the thing is, the media knows this, right? Mm-hmm. It's very much an active effort to socially engineer this world, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be this way, right? right? So if you go back 100 years, if you go back 80 something years, you have guys like Edward Bernays, uh, Maurice Strong, you know, these people that developed uh, basically developed, uh, they started to realize that there is a thing called the group mind, right? Mm-hmm. It operates very differently from the individual mind. And so there's been all these interesting experiments to show that when people interact with the group mind, like they're, they're, they have less control over their behavior than they think. And so I think really like that's, that's the thing that I think really helps people is we're such a science oriented society. Now we all want to know if if everything's fact-checked, like we want to know if ayahuasca is scientifically, you know, efficable, right? right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you and I've done science, done ayahuasca and it's like, it's not scientifically there's it's not, it's not scientific. It's spiritual, but before some people will try, they have to know if science endorses it or not, you know? And so, they'll teach you on the news. They'll teach you how to, you know, they'll, they'll teach you how to go to the ballot box and participate in the two-party system. They'll teach you how to vote for someone that you hate. They'll teach you how to, how to take a medicine without inquiring what's in the medicine or without looking at the possible reactions. And, and, and remember, Angela, we've been programmed for years by pharmaceutical commercials to totally dismiss, to totally dismiss reactions to medicine. I mean, it's comical. If you, just the commercials that are on TV, try this medicine. And then in the last 10 seconds of the commercial, the voice comes on and talks really fast. This medicine is on to cause this, blah, 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 you know, and they tell you yeah. as fast as they can, the side effects and it becomes comedy. Right. <laughs> right. So this is a program. <laughs> We've been literally trained to ignore the side effects, to laugh them off, to pretend like when, when, when a guy comes on and says, do this wonderful medicine. And there's all these beautiful pictures of happy, pe- happy people living happy lives and having great relationships. And there's the picture of the sad lady looking out the window by herself 
right? Well, she's the one that needs the medicine and they rattle off the side effects and the side effect can literally be, could cause death. Right. And you're trained not to, not to hear that or not to really like take, take meaning of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So these programs are everywhere. And so if you really want to access, if you really want people to break free from this stuff, if you really want people to get a chance at living the life they deserve, the life they desire, right? Mm -hmm. It's really, really helpful for people to understand the basic science of, of the mind and how easy it is to get into the subconscious mind and make people believe things that they probably wouldn't ordinarily believe if they were left alone on their natural path of personal independence. Mm -hmm, for sure. And, you know, like you said earlier, it's that natural sixth sense that's telling us that something's wrong. And that's why we're feeling the discomfort and feeling right. out of sync with ourselves. And so there is that, you know, we think or marketing has told us that this discomfort, this suffering is a sign that something's wrong with us and they right. have the solution to fix that. Whereas again, coming back to what you said earlier about people really tapping into this silent suffering and recognizing that they're not alone. You know, everybody is going through the same level of becoming aware of the levels of discomfort that we have. And even though we've trained ourselves to avoid, repress or impair it, we, it's not working anymore. And so, you know, no. I think right now it's like you said again earlier, that this is a really pivotal moment in our, our existence in humanity, where it looks really bleak and the walls are closing in, but at the same time, people are being agitated into so much discomfort that they are now beginning to approach people like yourself and I, and others looking for ways in which to learn to face that suffering, learn to face that discomfort and learn to make sense of it and move forward um, more and more of that self-driven, self-connected <clears throat> path. Right. And, you know, when you, when you think about the, 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 the process, just from your own memories and experiences, you know, when, when the psyche starts cracking open these levels of foundational programming that you've worked on, it can be quite alarming. Mm. You know, I had a simple experience, which is not really alarming, but I walked into a friend's kitchen and she had just renovated. And one side of the cupboards was white and one side of the cupboards on the other side of the room was, were dark. And my mind literally went, oh, you can do that. You can have cupboards that are two different colors. Like who yeah. knew my subconscious had a rule about cupboards. And then not only that, it was Amazing. like my head was looking back to see if the cupboard police were going to show up. Yeah. It's a perfect, you know, such a cool example. Oh my God. Right. And there's layers upon layers upon layers of this stuff. And, you know, while that was a simple thing to come to the surface and for someone who's trained to be present to what arises, how are people, how are people going to cope with so much surfacing at once? And, you know, again, you, you talking about people coming forward and, you know, letting go of this silent suffering and realizing that we're, our collective experience is not what we're pretending to be. Our collective experience is, is this awakening that's happening underneath. And so how, what are you seeing in realms? Like, what is, what do you feel is the potential of a positive trajectory we could go on? Mm. I, I personally, I think that like awareness is really, is really our, our greatest hope, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
like it's it's if you look at if you look at if you look at like the the like you said like layers if you look at the world as like layers of cloaks right <laughs> like Mm-hmm. Like I've done, I've been doing a lot of shadow work lately with some men's groups that I'm part of, you know, like, and, and I've realized that like, I have, you know, one of the, one of the shadows, one of my dragons, if you will, that, that haunts me is this dragon that I like to call to as the cloaking dragon, right? He likes to throw cloaks over me. He likes to, he likes me to live in states of unawareness, right? And mm-hmm. so what, what, what for that means for me is it means things like addiction to alcohol, drugs, you know, even something like cannabis, like, right. It'll, it'll tell me that smoking cannabis is going to make me feel good and make me like, really like, you know, like, like achieve whatever I need to achieve. And it's a lie, right. It's a lie because even substances like that you know, diminish our awareness. So I think that like, I think that people really, when they when they dive into this, especially if like if I if I'm thinking in terms of clients and people that I've worked with, I think what they're they're realizing is that like they've they've put themselves in opposition to the things that they really want in life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been easy up to this point to ignore that, right? There's so many distractions. There's so many things going on. You can go to the the movies one day. You can go to the amusement park the next day. You can go play putt-putt cough the next day. You can sit on the internet all the next day. You can binge Netflix the next day. There's so many things that keep you from yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Now, sure, a lot of that's physically cut off, but but just like the times that we're in, the energy of it and the density of it is really causing people to ask those questions like, oh my God, like what is really, what is really going on inside myself? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, you know, to look at this kind of almost like a, a medicine ceremony, like to me, the only way out is through, right? So the only way out is through, like, you can't deny, you can't live in denial anymore. You can't cover this up anymore. And a big thing, big issue that I'm coming across uh, with people lately is this, this um, issue of self-medicating, you know, like, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I work with a, I work with a group out of Australia, I'm a men's coach for a specific men's group in Australia. And, you know, some of our clients, like we just had this big session with a bunch of our clients and, I did a little breakout room with several of the men and it was the same thing. Like, you know, like it's, they're amazed at how easily easy it is for them to fall off their path of integrity and back into this habit of self-medicating. And so for some guys, that's food for a lot of people, it's alcohol for other guys, it's drugs for some men, it's pornography. Like it's, it's, there's, there's something there. There's something to help. There's something to help you keep this cloak over, over the awareness, right? There's anything that you need, any salve, but these things don't work anymore. And these they just don't work anymore. In fact, like, whereas before, like you could get away with this stuff and it was almost like a party time for a lot of people. Like it just seems to be like cloaking yourself with in the energy of the present today, like dynamics seems to like create anxiety. It seems to create worry. It seems to create fear. Like it's, it's a, something that has changed. I can't even really, to be honest with you, put my finger on it. I can just tell like personally, something has shifted. Like there is, you know, in the conspiracy world, they'll tell you that we're targeted by EMFs and ultra low, you know, mm-hmm. electro, you know, ultra low frequency waves and all this kind of stuff. But I feel an energy coming into life right now. And when I talk to people about it, like it's, it, they see it too, they feel it too. I feel there's an energy of coming into life and, you know, it's the destruction. Perhaps it, you know, it correlates with, you know, biblical stuff. I'm not a, I'm not a biblical guy, but this, this, this idea, this process of revelation, like you can't hide from the truth anymore. Right you know, and, and, and self-medication is escape from the truth, right? So how do you cope? I mean, the only way to cope is to confront this stuff head on and you can't, it's not easy to do it alone, you know? And that's one of the main reasons why I'm, I'm really like, uh, just really loving and enjoying and, and pushing forward with the work I'm doing is because like, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot, you know, just for me to sit with somebody for an hour and a half session 
And like, they'll see a possibility for their whole life that they've like, it's been like furrowed away inside of them somewhere their entire lives. And they'll all of a sudden see just because I gave it a space for it to be expressed. They'll all of a sudden see like, okay, cool. There's a path between where I'm at and where I've always wanted to go. And up until this moment, it's always been cut off. So how do you cope? You confront, I mean, and I don't mean in a confrontational, you know, fight fire with fire, not about pressure, but just an, an open awareness and acceptance of what is and a deep reflection into what is actually real for you. And that's, that's, again, that's the, the process of self-sabotage. Like look at your actual habits, examine your actual behaviors, right? You know, like, like what's serving you well and what's not serving you well. So yeah, as, as, as a way to cope through this is really like, um, you know, one other thing that I will say about that is really is about finding community that supports this kind of transformational work. You know, a lot of people that I, that I work with, especially women seem really, really cut off from community these days. And so uh, that's one of the things that I'm working on with my work is to create a space for people to come together and share and like be, you know, part of a community of seekers and survivors who want to, you want to experience positive changes in their lives, even in this, uh, this firestorm, this uh, shit show that we're in right now, you know, like there's, 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 you have the opportunity to rise above it all still. In fact, you have, not only do you have the opportunity, you have the reason to rise above it for the first time ever, because now back when things were comfortable and back in the old normal, when we were all just consumers and that's what the media called us. And, and we just consumed, consumed, consumed back and all that. It was really, really easy to avoid all of this. It was really, really easy to avoid the truths about your, your life and yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. In the in the yogic traditions, when you are working to help a person awaken the kundalini energy in the body, which of course is awakening of the infinite knowledge, when you're doing that, you're you're always first helping them to wake the third eye. And of course, the mm-hmm. third eye really translates into that ability to be present with yourself and witness and awareness. And when you, when you start with that part, wakening that part, then it's much easier to be able to presence to those things that are arising. And Hmm. the one thing that is really key right now is that the anxiety, the scattered minds, the lack of focus, the inability to, um, you know, calm down or settle down is all just a symptom of that intuitive knowing being out of sync with the physiology and what it's doing. And so everything leads back to what you said earlier, to awareness, awareness is the starting point, where you can start to recognize that a lot of what you're running on are these programs and memorized habits and conditions that are running on autopilot. And so you're doing the best job you know how based on what conditioning you're running, and Mm -hmm. how much awareness is present. Exactly. Because Otherwise, you're going to react rather than be able to start responding and making these choices that are more life and health enhancing. And so, you know, I know that we, we share similar work here, but Dylan, tell me what, what have you got going on for people right now and for listeners who would want to get in touch with you? How would they best do that? Well, thanks for asking. Let's see. I'm actually got a couple of things that I'm, that I'm working on and I'm building. Um, they're very excited about the first one that I'm doing is a, it's a live zoom event. It's called the story of your hypnosis. And that takes place on November 17th. Um, you can find me, you can find me on, I'm on, what's the best way to find me. Let me think about this. 
<laughs> I have so many, I have so many like social networking things going through my, I'm, I'm at wakingtimes.com. That's my, that's my main website. Okay. So I write articles there. I, I, I share articles there. You know, I'm very much contrarian to the, the official narrative and very much about uh, awakening of the spirit, awakening of the mind and, and, you know, uh, being an advocate of freedom of con- you know, informed consent and uh, knowing both sides of the story before you, you do something with your life. So that's, that's my platform for that. So I'm on Facebook as, as waking times. You can find me there. I post uh, pretty much daily. I post my perspectives on things. Um, I'm also on telegram. I have a telegram channel for myself personally. It's called Dylan Charles wins Dylan Charles wins. You can look that up. Um, you can email me directly editor at wakingtimes.com. I check that daily. I communicate with people, anybody, anybody from around the world wants to communicate with me. I'm open. If they want to criticize me, I'll have a conversation about that. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many <laughs> people try to tear you down when you're just like want to live a happy free life. But um, um, they can find me on, uh, uh, I have a coaching page on Facebook, Dylan Charles coaching on, on that. They can also find my website, dylancharlescoaching.com. Uh, I guess on Facebook, I'm Dylan Charles self mastery coach, but I know that's a mouthful. Good gosh, I probably should simplify this, but um, but listen, I'm doing an event on November 17th. It's my heart and soul. Like it really is. It's a powerful, powerful event. It's a live Zoom event. It's called the Story of Your Hypnosis. Like I said, like it's it's. I personally have experienced and lived through and survived and overcome and won against all of the forms of self sabotage that you can that you can imagine, right? So I talked a little bit about in, in this conversation. I talked a little bit about just you know. Being a child of divorce, you know, having the, ang- the anger, the yelling, the tension around me all the time as a kid, what well, does something to your brain? I explain that. I explain what that trauma actually does scientifically to your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, what it's like to live in fear as a child. That does something to you as well. What it's like to uh, grow up and see all the adults around you indulge in alcohol and, you know, debauchery and that sort of stuff, what that does. So I've lived through alcoholism, drug addiction. I was, you know, like part of my story is, is pretty, it's pretty hardcore, Angela. I mean, I was addicted to methamphetamines for years. I was addicted to drugs for years, you know, and I hit rock bottom when I was 26 years old. So for the first 26, from the time I started drinking alcohol at probably 14 years old, you know, I started smoking cigarettes because my grandpa got me hooked on nicotine when I was a kid. You know, I started smoking cigarettes when I was 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. So from that point till I was 26, it basically was like a, a, just a ride down to rock bottom. And, and that's that's really like where my turning point came. So my journey of self-mastery didn't begin till I was 26 years old and I stepped into a Kung Fu dojo. So in this event, I tell the story of my life up until that 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 turning point for me. And I talk about, uh, you know, needing to fit in with the tribe, you know, what kind of things that does for people and the science of it, like what it actually means to be hypnotized, how you're actually hypnotized, you know, how does it feel when you're in a hypnotic state? So there's a lot of science that I do. I saw all along the way and telling my personal story, which is powerful. I, I have to say, I'm also like walking people through like the things that the social engineers know, the, the mind control experts know, the advertisers, right? The corporate advertisers, like they know a lot about how to access the mind, you know, that's why there's all these sexy women eating cheeseburgers, <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, in television yeah. commercial. That's why the Swedish bikini, the Swedish bikini team comes and lands when the guy opens a 12 pack of Keystone light, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're not just doing that because it's cute and cozy and funny. They're doing that because they know that by, by triggering those, those strong emotions with you and your, 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 your emotions for survival, like your desire for sex, right. You know, they, like, <laughs> They could tap into your subconscious mind and basically like make you believe they can make you believe that if you want sex, 
you're going to need some keystone lights, right? That becomes a pillar. <laughs> yeah. That becomes a pillar of belief in your mind. And therefore people are acting it out. I mean, look at the dating scene these days. Good Lord, man. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's all, you know, so there's that come check that out. It's called the story of your hypnosis. You can find that. I'll be, I'll be, it's going to be all over my social media and stuff. You'll see access to that. Um, it's going to be on Dylan Charles coaching.com. Uh, but I also have a group that I'm developing. It's called Soul Connection. It's going to be a, like a weekly meeting of just seekers and survivors from around the world. So we'll meet every week. It's a small membership fee for that. And it's basically an opportunity. I want to help people through like one of the weeks we'll help people through like uh, do like some group coaching, like have people step up to the mic and take, take some turn, you know, take a turn to talk about the challenges they face mm-hmm. and uh, looking for ways to see through them. And then in another week, we'll focus specifically on self-sabotaging behavior. Another Another week, we'll focus specifically on of developing uh, clarity around what self-mastery means for people because it means different things to different people. Everyone has their own path. It's very unique. And then in the other week, we'll do things like open talks and I'll invite guests and stuff on some of the amazing healers and shamans and, and friends and and the people that I know that really have a positive impact. Um, but it's a, it's a place for community. So I'll have that. If you go to if you go to dylancharlescoaching.com, like all of this stuff will be up there. I think that's probably the best place. But I also offer, you know, self-mastery coaching. And what I'm really, really, really honored to offer right now is, is, uh, is uh, self-sabotage coaching. I'm a certified freedom from self-sabotage coach. That's a very specific protocol that I work with. Uh, it's two sessions. It also, it also involves a very detailed, uh, a very, a very meticulous questionnaire and intake about where your self-sabotaging behavior comes from. So it's an opportunity for some very deep self-reflection. And then in that process, I show people in, in, in the context of their own specific lives, how the subconscious mind works, how their need for a tribal affiliation works, uh, ends up being the source of the behavior that's holding them back. And then in the second session, we talk specifically about uh, how they can overcome uh, the self-sabotaging behaviors that are interfering most with their happiness and their success. So uh, so to, to be frank, I'm... <clears throat> I've been making a big change this year, moving from uh, just being a part of the independent news and, and into some of this stuff. So a lot of this is under development for me, and I'm really honored to be able to share it with people. But very, very potent, very powerful opportunities to connect with yourself and to uh, really just get clarity on who you are and what you want out of this life. And then to develop like a, a clearing, right? Like a, to, mm-hmm. to take your machete into the jungle and clear a path between you and what's possible. You know, there's like you said, there's so many distractions, so many things pulling us in certain ways. But inspiration is found when you know, like inspiration is really the key to living a life that you want. And it's found when you, when you know what you're working towards and you actually see it as possible and you take action towards that. And once you start taking action towards living the life that you want, like inspiration just shows up and gives you the fuel that you need. So a lot of times it takes courage to really take those first steps. So that's, that's really where I want to help people at just clarify that vision, right? Get themselves out of the way and develop the courage to take the first action steps on that path. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You have such a potent energy. And again, as I said, when we opened, you are walking from your own experience, which is absolutely imperative in this kind of work. And I'm just so grateful to have you in my life, Dylan, and to <laughs> have you come here and share uh, all you've shared today. Definitely would love to have you back again. Uh, I'm yeah, sure anytime. we could pick a million <laughs> topics to add <laughs> in on. And of course, things always end up in the same place. It all starts inside and yeah, what yeah. we do within ourselves. So thank you so much for joining us here. Yeah, thank you, Angela. It's amazing how time flies when I'm talking with someone like you. So I really, really appreciate you having me on here. It's such an honor to be here. And to anybody out there listening, 
uh, it would be amazing to connect with you. So, uh, yeah, please. I'm just an open-hearted guy that just loves uh, connecting and serving people. So maybe Wonderful. we'll meet. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, to everyone, thank you so much for joining us here on the Radical Flow podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would love for you to share this. And I will make a note on the podcast heading that'll give you the contact information for Dylan so you can reach out and stay connected. And so until next time, we'll see you in the flow.